This week's guest is Siobhan Monahan. Siobhan got her start in the industry at an early age while still in high school when she landed a job at the restaurant chain Jack Astor's. Spending over a decade there, Siobhan eventually moved overseas and wound up in the Middle East working for an airline as a stewardess. Siobhan shares some stories of unique passenger behavior she encountered while working as a stewardess, as well as her experience of living in Abu Dhabi. Siobhan eventually left the airline industry and wound up working at Disney World in Orlando, serving at a Canadian-themed restaurant. We talk about the money that could be made, as well as the nightlife scene of Disney in Orlando. Siobhan's a great guest, and you're definitely going to enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name's Kip. This is Dan. How's it going? Doing well, thanks. And you? I'm all right. Yeah. Nice. How's the Christmas season been? Christmas parties are upon us. We had a staff party last night. I was just telling uh, you guys before we started recording, I had to break up three fights in their staff, so that was interesting. That's good. Good. I'd ask you to the bars, but we're not going to disclose that on yeah. the episode, no. so all uh, good. Yeah. So uh, aside from that, uh, things are picking up now with people actually coming out to bars for Christmas parties this year. That's good. Good news for everyone. Nice. Good turnaround from last year. Yeah, last year sucked. Yeah. No. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Uh, we have a great guest, as usual. Siobhan Monahan will be joining us in just a minute. And uh, we should say off the jump that if you like the show and you'd like to be on it, you should DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram or at you can email us at the Industry Club. And if you like the show, what you really should be doing is subscribing, rating, reviewing. That's how you help us. Uh, finally, we should mention that if you are looking for graphic arts work, you should talk to our man, Zach Hanna, at Zach Hanna Design. He does all of our artwork for the Instagram feed. Yeah, you can also check him out on his new website, ZachHanna.com. That's Z-A-K-H-A-N-N-A-H.com. Wow, got that all out. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, well, with that all out of the way, why don't we just bring in Siobhan? How are you? <laughs> I'm just living the dream. <laughs> Do you ever say that when a table comes up to you and they're like, yeah, how's it going? You're like, oh man, just living the dream. And like they hear the sarcasm, like seething from your, your yeah. mouth as you're saying it. <laughs> this actually is pretty dreamy. Red wine and like hanging out, shooting the shit. Yeah. I, I do feel like it's a good night. See? So. Well, thanks yeah. for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Siobhan lives in town, so we actually get to do one of these in person, which is nice, always nicer. I got pretty used to Zoom during the pandemic, but it's still not the same as yeah. the in-person interviews. That's true, yeah. It's a different sort of thing when you just sit sitting around drinking together as opposed to like oh yeah virtual cheers it's great guys yeah if you want to just stop talking mid-sentence a couple of times like your voice is cut out in the in the over like over a zoom interview that would be good yeah, just, yeah like, i'll just start <laughs> as, right as yeah. i'm about to insult you on something yeah. i'm just gonna break it off why, why do you, you, cut why it do you feel like that's how it's gonna go <laughs> i just feel the vibe of me saying something i'm like but yeah. oh well i'm excited to get this one started <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Siobhan, I met you because you work at Grand Trunk Saloon now. How long have you been there? I got back to Canada in August, and I started at Grand Trunk as soon as the good old quarantine period ended. So, yeah. yeah, So, a few months now. A few months, yeah. But you spent the the beginning of your career at Jack Astor's. What (laughs) made you decide to get into the service industry to begin with? Uh, Because I didn't get hired at Tim Hortons. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally 14, and I started there, didn't get hired at Tim Hortons, somehow ended up at Jack Astor's, and I grew up in that, doing all of the shit you do, the hostessing, busing, serving, cocktailing, and then bartending. So 
Mm. Yeah, that was basically why. So thanks to Martin's Toad's Preach not uh, not giving me a job. <laughs> uh, but Jack Asher's, that's a good training ground for the job in general. Well, I was just saying, I had this conversation the other day with somebody. I was like, I feel like everybody should start in a corporate restaurant just mm -hmm. because it's so structured. You do your two weeks of like annoying training and following somebody around like a puppy. But then that means that whatever restaurant you go to after, you're just going to be, it's going to be easy because mm -hmm. you just have this concept of how, like, you don't have to go, like, we had some cute little rookie the other day and we said something like, oh, we're 86 this. And, and they were like, well, what's 86? Oh, bless your heart. I don't even know. So cute. So all of the stuff that, like, I feel like you should learn, it's so much easier when you're doing it in restaurants, like, that are corporate and annoying. And then when you go do places like Sugar Run right. or anywhere else where it's like you have more free flow, it's you already have an expectation and a standard. So it's, it's very true. And you know, I never worked in a corporate spot, which is why I'm not very good at this job. But also, <laughs> it's why, like, I only worked in independent restaurants and, and bars, and none of those people, unless they've also worked in a corporate spot, know any of that lingo. Like, I didn't find out what 86 meant until I was, like, probably 10 years into my bar wow. <laughs> restaurant career. Wow. Somebody said it, and I was like, what? Why are you, why are you saying it like that? It was one of the cooks. And I'm like, I love it. So it was your kitchen staff being like, yo, we're 86 this, and you're like, yeah, for sure, 92, bro. No, like, I was just straight <laughs> up like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> okay. We were working at a Kelsey's, and the thing I learned was they said, choose your attitude. Oh. And it was just kind of like, well, I'm getting paid for it. And yeah. it's something that's kind of always stuck yep. through, actually. What's Here's working. your attitude. I like that. Yeah. I never learned how to do that. It, yeah. <laughs> My attitude yeah. chose me. Yeah. That's fair. I do remember once, though, like when I was a flight attendant, what I would hear most often with that would be like, okay, just as a reminder, we're not here to show people manners. We're just here to show them an experience. And I was oh, like, you know what? That's true for a lot of people, it's, isn't it? True. But man, shouldn't we be teaching them manners? I think I that we should be so. teaching everybody manners yeah. all the time. Well, I still go out of my way. I th actually, the other day, a dude... Had said, he's being a shithead, and he had said, like, oh, I'll get this. And I was like, please? Yeah. He's like, what? And I was like, you'll get this, please? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, I thought you said that. I'm like, I used you. to, when I worked at Ethel's, people would come in and they would just be like, sit down in the bar and I'd be like, how, how, hey, how's it going? And they'd be like, Coors Light. And I'm like, Okay, but I just was asking how you were, yeah. but you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for asking. So if you're like a Coors Light, you're just kind of shitty and yeah. without substance. <laughs> we used to actually at Jack's, um, we used to call people like buds. Mm. So it's like a word for like, oh, that's a fucking bud table for sure. Mm. And it's like, just to reference the fact that like, they're going to be that kind of shitty table that drinks poor beer choices. Yep. And so we're like, yeah, bunch of buds. I know. I think, I just feel like manners is the bare minimum for social interaction. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things. If you, I mean, manners should be like a legitimate thing that you have in your life anyways. Mm. But I feel like everybody should work in the service industry at some point because it teaches you a little bit of awareness and maybe understanding and compassion that you wouldn't have mm -hmm. for people who are in hospitality because you don't notice the things that are going on until you've been in the industry and you're like, oh man, that chick is weeded. Let's, let's be, let's be cool that we see, don't have a drink yet. I just found out about that one. <laughs> like, really? Not, not just, but like definitely way too late in my career. Like last week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> last week. No, I, I was honestly probably in my last job that I worked for somebody else, and which is not that long ago. And... <laughs> <laughs> like, I obviously knew the term being in the weeds, but somebody yeah. was like, well, I was really weeded. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, and I was like, I got it. I'm like, ooh, that's some highfalutin server nice. speak there. Did you use Odled as well? Odled? Odled? No, no, you're making that one up. No, that was a Jack Astor's one. It was option to leave early. Oh. So they'd be like, yeah, they'd be like, you're Odled, which means like, go do your side work and you can leave. But I'm like, I'm not leaving for at least like 45 minutes once I get this shit done, but it'd be like, yeah, you're Odled. <laughs> 
option so, to leave early. Yeah, your option to leave early. Huh. Huh. That's yeah. a new one. That, that's a new one to me. Yeah. So you mentioned being a flight attendant. I do want to talk about that because you've got to have some crazy stories about oh, that job. Yes. And it definitely is a service-related job. So it Well, it's one of those things that seemed like it paired very well, having been in the service industry for so long. But I moved to the Middle East in 2013, and I flew for Etihad. And why did so, you move there? Um, initially, I had done an interview. I literally was like... I'm going to go work and be a flight attendant because I'm Irish. So I took my Irish passport, flew to England, and I was like, yes, I'm going to work for an Irish airline. Got there. They realized I have visible tattoos, and they're like, sorry, man, I can't help you. Oh, really? So I quit my job. Mm. I flew to England, and then they were like, yeah, thanks, but uh, sorry about your luck. So (laughs) so then I was in England kind of like, well, fuck me. What do I do now? And um, my best friend was a teacher in Abu Dhabi, and she was like, well, why don't you come here for a holiday? You're already, you know, you're already not in Canada. So I flew to the Middle East, and then she had kind of put the idea in my head, like, well, like, what if you work for Etihad? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then I partied there for a few weeks. I saw how crazy this country was, and I remember being in the desert, and I was watching this gorgeous sunrise. Like, we just had the most amazing desert safari bonfire night. I saw the sunrise, and I had this, like, very surreal moment of being like, wow. I will never fucking live in this country. I hate this place so much. And then I ended up taking a job and like, like I did it anyway. So I'm, I'm very much a never say never person now. Cause like mm-hmm. I did say I would never do it. And I did, but, um, but yeah, so I moved to Abu Dhabi in 2013 and, um, I was like service industry. I love to travel. Somebody should pay me to travel. This is great. Mm-hmm. And I did three months of like intense training. My first flight was to from Abu Dhabi to Washington, D.C. And it was like from my very first flight, I was like, this job is terrible. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. It is everything that you do in the service industry, but you're not getting tipped. And then you have to deal with like really annoying people for 16 hours sometimes. Oof. So... Yeah, it it hurt your feelings a lot because some of the people were just so, so tough. And for me, because I was Canadian, I would go to the U.S. so often because I didn't need a visa to get in. Whereas if you're from Europe or anywhere else, you'd need a visa. So it would cost the company money, but I didn't cost them money. So it was just like I moved to Abu Dhabi and I'd constantly in Chicago, New York, Washington, like on on religion every single month and like how long are those flights 16 hours 16 hours yeah 14 to 16 depending on the wind and the time of year but it was 16 hours usually and the, I, the passenger profile the like the type of person and this is i can imagine abu dhabi to dc let's yeah, <laughs> sound like a douchebag as yeah. i'm saying it but i'm just you know my my experience was that it was a lot of indian people okay and they're coming over because their families had taken them over and and there'd be nothing wrong with that, except it was very, very frustrating because culturally it was so different. Mm-hmm. So people constantly like snap in your face when they wanted a drink or they pull your clothes to get your attention. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Or like, so, or, or you be, you know, you serve the first group of people and you're in an economy, there's 360 people. You serve that first person. So by the time you get to the end, half, like everybody's done eating. Right. And so they're pushing their call bells because they want their food gone. And you're like, fuck man, like we, we're not yeah. even at the end yet. And so then you go back up to clear their trays and instead they would have shoved their tray under their seat mm. and they've got their shoes off, their socks off and you just have to crouch down and like you're pulling out their sh- like dirty yogurt containers to like <laughs> shove it back in. They won't even help you. They're just kind of like looking at you like, yeah, this is, this is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Taking their socks off on the plane? Oh my God, yeah. I, yeah. That is, a, there's a, way, way more people to do that than you would imagine. I once had somebody, we were flying to Australia and uh, 
they stuffed their foot like right in between like you know the crack in the seats and I was like right there I was like this this dirty disgusting you foot. would not believe how gross people are on a plane mm-hmm. I had no idea like we would have certain flights that because of it being culturally very different we'd have to find somebody on that flight who spoke English and get mm-hmm. them to write us signs that would say like pee here wash hands here because so often they would piss in the sinks in, oh, yeah. or on the floor in the bathroom or a lot of times Wait, going, is that for other pod? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just everywhere or like certain flights like from Bangladesh a lot of the times they would just like pop a squat to take a deuce in the middle of the alley like in what? the middle of the hall. Yeah, because they've never been on a plane before. They're getting flown to the Middle East as oh, workers. Wow. So they don't know that you don't just drop trow and like go wherever you feel like it on an airplane so you have to tell people you can't take a shit on the floor like that's not acceptable <laughs> in a, on a, an aircraft so, uh, so how do you approach that do you try and stop them before it's all the way out i mean yeah yeah basically no, no, like no 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 but they're the same way with like people peeing in the sinks or like because they didn't know to lock the door or the amount of times people get locked in the bathrooms which was really funny mm. you just hear them like banging because they don't know <laughs> how to get out so you just hear them banging you're just like no oh, that's funny you can stay in there for a minute <laughs> but, oh, that's but yeah Jesus. so did they pay you well at least um, or is it kind of- yeah yeah i mean the longer the flight that you went you get paid more money and you get paid uh, okay uh, but the the shitty thing about the company and i'm trashing Etihad, but um, it was cheaper for them, for example, when we went to the US, instead of legally giving us 42 hours um, because of the eight hour time difference, because of the 16 hour flight, they would only pay for us to stay one night at the hotel and then they would just pay fines to the US government. So as opposed, yeah, oh yeah, every single month because it was just cheaper for them. Wow. So instead of actually paying us to stay for two days and get the right amount of sleep because your your body doesn't know whether you're awake or you're sleeping or anything, it would just be like, well, now you're flying back and we'll just pay the fines again. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So for like on a 16 hour flight, like you're not really getting any breaks. You do have to get a minimum of three hours and there's beds in, if you're on an ultra long haul flight, which would be like from Abu Dhabi to New York, um, depending on the aircraft, the beds are either in the ceiling or in there, they're in cargo. So they're, yeah, up or down, depending on the aircraft. Airbuses are in the basement, Boeings are in the ceilings. Mm. So you did have to get a minimum of three hours. You'd ideally like more, but like three, that's all you're going to get because you don't care. So, but it's so hard to sleep. Like three consecutively or? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it'd be so hard to sleep because you're pickup time so you'd wake up for that flight at like two in the morning you get ready your pickup time might be like 4 30 you get to the airport 5 30 and by the time your briefing is done and all of the bullshit like security clearances and you're taking off at 8 a.m by the time that you get there with the travel and distance and stuff it's like 5 p.m u.s time which is like eight hours ahead in abu dhabi mm-hmm. so by the time you get that actual like three hour break you're not actually ready to sleep yet. You might've been awake for like four hours. So you're not really like, oh great, I can't wait to nap for three hours. Right. So a lot of people just took medication, like a lot of sleeping pills, cause it was, you just didn't sleep. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, if you're taking a sleeping pill and you only have three hours. You wouldn't do it on that right. flight. <laughs> after, after flight, but a lot of like, cause you, I mean, your circadian rhythm just ends up being so out of whack mm-hmm. because 
no matter where you get to, you're like, is it time to drink? Is it time to eat? Is it like, mm. should we go party? Like, what should we do in this country? So. So, and how long would your layovers generally be? Uh, uh, the your... 24 hours was yeah. the longest when, right. in the U.S. Canada was 48 to 72, be only because the Canadian government would only let our company fly three times a week. Mm, okay. So that was the only reason. But the U.S., it was like we had daily flights. Yeah, no. so. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So what's the dickiest thing that somebody said to you while you were... Oh my God. Okay, well, this wasn't, this didn't happen to me, but I thought it was really funny because it happened to a girl I was flying with. Again, very different culture in in the Middle East versus here. Sure. But she, that she was working in um, first class, and so she's going up to serve this little boy to get his meal and whatever. So she's asking what he wants, and he's just like flat out like ignoring her. It's like, man, I got a job to do. Like, yeah. just tell me what the fuck you want to eat. So ask us again doesn't say anything like and then she's thinking maybe this kid doesn't speak english and so next time she asks the dad who's sitting beside the little boy like matter of factly just looks over and he was just like he doesn't speak to slaves oh. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> i'm a slave so yeah so he wouldn't he wouldn't or he gave his order to a man but he wouldn't take an order from her as a female slave on that plane. Wow. So. Oh, so like a man is okay. A man slave is all right. I mean, I guess so. Huh. Yeah, it's better than a female slave. Like, that's just wasted air. So. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I did, like, there's annoying things that have happened to me. Like, I remember I was on my way to my rest, on my three-hour break, and this dude had thrown up all over the floor, and he was like a stone's throw from the, the washroom. And then he literally had pulled on my clothes and he was just like, you need to clean this up. I was like, okay, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, I'll be right back. And then I just went to bed. And yeah. I was like, no, <laughs> not my problem. Yeah. No, like, uh, I don't care if you stay with that the whole flight. I'm not doing that. Like, no. uh, Yeah, how long did you do this job for? I only did it a year. Yeah, I was sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, well, I was contracted three and then I was just like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And then before I hit my six month mark, they unfortunately put me in for, uh, it was called flying nanny training. Oh, and oh. I don't like children. I cannot preface that enough. Yeah, they're and awful. I, yeah, they're terrible. Mm -hmm. And I got put in training to become a nanny, to deal with people's children on a flight. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And they're like, well, you're scheduled for it, so you have to. I was like, well, this is bullshit. I don't. So then I'm sitting in this training, and they're, they're the nannies. So they're from Britain. They're the nannies who train like people to be nannies for like stars. Right. And so they're coming in, and I of course like had to voice it. I put up my hand. I'm like, just so you know, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and so, which made it really uncomfortable. But I'm like, I just want you to know that I'm not okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> so then I had to be this nanny. So I'd get scheduled flights to be, and the worst part is, so you had to wear this ugly ass orange apron. And people would know then if you were the nanny that you're the person who like when they're ready to take that nap midway through, you're going to come around and make their kids little stupid hats and you're going to carry their babies if they need to go and like, you know, hang out. And I remember the first time we were just boarding and I'm in this ugly ass apron and this woman hands me, obviously it must have been her grandchild, but they were flying with a small baby. And so we had like bassinets for these kids to sleep in at the bulkheads. And so she's like, can you put him to bed? And I was like... I've never held a baby before. I, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So then I'm trying to like lie this baby down. He is screaming because he doesn't owe me. He does not want to be late. Like they can't get him to lie down. I can't either. 
and everybody on the plane is watching me do this. I'm like as red as a tomato. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> trying to like shove this baby into it like a bass in it and it was just not having it. So I was like... So if I got it right, and I don't have a ton of experience with babies, but I think you just grab it by the bottom of the feet and then just kind of just <laughs> You just jam bounce it. its head just a little bit. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do it somewhere. Yeah. Put the overhead compartment. That'd be good. Something, yeah, that's or under true. the seat. Yeah. Yeah. Under the seat with, yeah. with the food trays. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Give them a snack down there. So, did they pay decently, though, at least? They did in the sense that um, we had free accommodation, free flight anywhere in the world once a year. So you'd be making, like, like four grand a month tax-free. And then you had free accommodation. But even that came at a cost because we lived in staff housing and it's the Middle East. So oh. like everything is monitored. You can't have a partner come to your apartment because um, it's all haram. Like you can't. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, it was so crazy. You weren't. So when we applied, you had to choose a religion on your application. And if you weren't religious, you'd have to go to your parents' religion and then so forth back until you found somebody who had a religion because you couldn't leave that as nothing. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not Catholic, but my parents, I, that's somewhere down the line somebody is, so I'm Catholic. And then came to find out that like, for example, if you're like, okay, well, I'm not religious, but like seven generations back, somebody was Muslim and you put Muslim, you're no longer allowed to drink alcohol in that country because oh, you're Muslim. Right. And that's... That's illegal. <laughs> so, so then, and the alcohol, like the alcohol stores in, in the Middle East, are these papered up walls. It looks like you're going into a porn star, like a porn like spot to grab whatever, and and you'd have to show your liquor license to to purchase alcohol, and you'd have to apply for that license. But if on your passport you had said that you're Muslim, you'd never get one. So they, you never so have one. Just as an individual, you would need a liquor yeah, license yeah, to. Oh, yeah. really? Uh, if you were a tourist, your passport isn't stamped as like a local, so uh, you'd be fine. You uh, just go drink wherever. But like, if you're living there and you want to go buy yourself a bottle porn, of wine, no yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think I would have just gone with Scientology every time because I, there's no <laughs> rules, really. <laughs> I mean, had I known, I probably would have signed up for that. There's so many things that you didn't know when you signed up for it, like. Another thing, I didn't realize that I was signing saying that after three years of flying, I would not be able to donate my organs. What? Um, yeah. So here's a uh, wild things you don't know. Because there's so much exposure to cosmic radiation uh, oh. when you're flying, that you're just saying that, yes, I understand that my body is going to be fucked. Three years from now, everything's dead inside. And knowing the little that I know about you already, I feel like that's right up your alley, knowing that your insides right? are being rotted out. Yeah, that's exactly what I was hoping for. I'm yeah. going to turn into a prune from this wine, and then <laughs> here's with the organs. Uh, well, actually, now that I find out there might be Muslim in your background, yeah, you're not, I, know, I should I be have to take that back. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, but yeah, so even that, it was like, and so you'd have this gauge on, on your roster every month that would show you, based on your flight patterns, like where you're flying, how high your radiation exposure was. And then with, apparently, as I've come to find out, like airlines, like Canadian airlines, European airlines, if you got past the 3.5 with your radiation, they'd have to ground you mm -hmm. because your body just needs to come down. It's too high. When I quit, my radiation was at a 4.8 and I've never shit. been grounded. But they're just like, I just don't give a shit. So they're just testing you and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, she's yeah. turning into Spider-Man. So she's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So. That's crazy. So I'm surprised you quit, but... Um. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Story tells itself. <laughs> but then you also went to another really interesting job, which is at Walt Disney World. I did. World or land? World? World. Yeah, yeah, I was in Florida. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually hated, hated flying. And I had a friend that I worked, I very briefly worked at Beertown in Cambridge. Okay. And I, a girl that I met there had done a couple contracts with Disney. And when I was in Abu Dhabi and saying like, fuck this place, I hate it. She's like, come work at Disney, it's the best. And I was like, I don't like children, so I don't know if that's a right? thing. Yeah. But she was like, no, no, the money is great, come here. So that was what actually, I quit. I became a yoga teacher in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, so she was like, come work at Disney, and the money is awesome, this is great. So I was like, okay, go do a contract at Walt Disney. She wasn't wrong, it was the best service industry money I've ever made. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I, if I worked a shift, a morning shift, from 12 until 4, and I made less than 200 US, I was pissed. What? I was like, what a shit day. And I'm actually like, pissed learning this story. So. <laughs> right? And it was like a dinner shift from like 4 until 11. If I made less than 300, I was like, this is what a dumb day. Like, really? stupid. Yeah. And so what was the restaurant that you were working at? It's called Le Cellier. Mm -hmm. So it was, I was a cultural representative for Canada. So we, so, you know, Canadian. Is there, like yeah. Epcot Center? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. where it was. Yeah. yeah, so there's like the World Showcase had all the different countries in mm -hmm. Canada. That was, that's them. the best part about Disney oh, it's World. The best. Yeah. It's the only place you can drink. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so you just drink around the world and yeah, yeah. I had a, um, my parents once got a, one of those fucking condos in Florida for, yeah, they did yeah. for like three years so they kept trying to get me to come visit them and I did one year and the girl I was with at the time wanted to go to Disney World because she had never been I'm like Disney. But, but we're too old for that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand why would we want to do yeah. that. <laughs> but she really wanted to go, so we went. And then I was like, I, I was miserable. I fucking hated it. But yeah. then Epcot Center was okay because then there was beers from around the world. Yeah, it really yeah. turns it around. Yeah. I, I'm the same. It was funny because I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm notorious in that pavilion for being the only person who never went to Magic Kingdom on my. I didn't go to any parks. I could have gone free every single day. Hmm. And I went to Magic Kingdom on my last day of my contract. Just to, I was like, oh. Watch the fireworks but like everybody else was like oh my god disney let's get the ears let's do the days and i was like i'm okay i'm not gonna do that like the, the, most of the people that you were working with were like kind of like disney people some of them yeah, were real yeah. hardcore like not only would it be like half sleeve disney tattoo kind of things but the, the people oh. the thing that i couldn't wrap my head around with Ooh. yeah no <laughs> these are guys too <laughs> oh. whatever you're into okay um but like some of them the th I, I just I had such a weird time with this. They'd be like, "Let's go to this Disney party and take a picture with Mickey dressed up as the Halloween Mickey." I'm like, "You know that's like an 18 year old like Asian kid, right? Like that's not Mickey or Mouse. Like you know that, right?" But I, but some of them just like that was their shit. They just they got off on that, and I couldn't I couldn't get down with that. I was very not part of that culture. Well, you've already dispelled a major myth on this uh, episode because I was sure that was the real mouse. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Yeah. He is with Santa Claus at oh, the North shit. Pole. Wow. Hey, so where did you live down there? Was there like staff housing for that as well? Or there is that... was. Really? So, yeah, okay, so here's the not so awesome things about Disney is you lived in Staffacom and Staffacom was living with bedroom mates. And yeah. so like oh. I, my first contract, I lived in a house with six people and I had one person in my bedroom. My second contract, I lived in a house with six people, but we had two bedrooms. So there's three of us in my room and oh, we had bunk beds. That's cool. Yeah. Like a triple bunk bed? No, there's like a single. <laughs> I was like, I didn't awkward. know that existed. <laughs> like a little house. Um, no, but yeah, so we lived in Disney house and like in my second contract, so they're women, and there's obviously like women are with women, men with men, but 
they're people from around the world and certain cultures were just the worst mm. and we had a like there was a girl from France that was in my bedroom and I ended up having her kicked out of our house because she shit on our carpet what is what you and the floor yeah, shitting what is the thing what is <laughs> so people the just thing? see you and they're just like I gotta you take a dump immediately it is happening. <laughs> yeah so yeah I was like I this is the most the disgusting so, thing that a human can what, do but like I don't understand that, that as being like part of French culture that's weird I I don't know. It was I literally. I came home from a shift one night, walked into the apartment. It smelled like literal shit, and I. It was very late because I'd come home from drinking after I was done work. So I was like, "This is very interesting." Huh, mm. Okay. And then this roommate was like doing laundry at like one like thirty in the morning, happened. and I was like, "Huh, okay." I went to bed. I was like, "This is disgusting." Wake up the next morning. I have somewhere to be early. Come back, and then I walk back in. I'm like, "Why does it still smell in here? What is going on?" And so one of my other roommates, I was like, you come to my bathroom. Does it smell very bad in here to you? And she confirmed that I was right. And then I stepped on the carpet that was right by, and it was soaking. And so I made the very horrible mistake of then doing a smell test to like be like, why is this carpet so wet? And it smells exactly like that. And so then after almost throwing up on the carpet, I bagged it and threw it out. I was like, mm. what savage would wipe this off and put it on the floor? And, um, <laughs> and then I felt too embarrassed for her to tell her because I'm a very blunt person. But at first I was like, I don't want to make her feel bad because maybe this was like some horrible thing that happened and she's horribly embarrassed. Right. But because she never brought it up to me then, I was like, you know that I know. Like you've got to know that I know that no, this happened. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> so th- when she didn't mention it, eventually I was like, "You need to replace the carpet." And then she was just like, uh, "I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I know you shit on the carpet." And then she was then like, "Oh, no, no, I didn't. Uh, I was out running with a friend, and uh, and she must have stepped on something." I'm like, "I don't give a shit. No, that's not what happened. I know that's not true. <laughs> replace uh, the carpet." And then she was just like, she kept dismissing me, being like, "I know, I know, I know." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need to make a bigger deal about this. This is gross." Uh-huh. Um, and then when she never said anything, I was like, "This bitch. She's out here." <laughs> so yeah, I had her kicked out. Oh Sam? my god. It's so much shitting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Didn't expect this on the podcast. I did not. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about the exact, like the, this, what, okay, so what was the name of the restaurant again? La Salle. Yeah, and like what kind of dining was that? So fine dining. Fine dining at Disney World. Yeah, and I mean, again, culturally for Canada, it's like, what's Canadian about our food? Mm. We had poutine. I mean, right, yeah. that's it. Um, otherwise, we sold expensive steaks, which was mm. excellent because, but the, so the whole experience with that is, the other shitty thing is you'd have to go in and do a couple months where you're hostessing. So you're you're just basically doing the bullshit grunt stuff. You're not getting tipped out. You're just hostessing. You're bussing. Your shifts suck. And you see all these servers making so much money. You could barely pay your rent and make the money that you make. But once you get over that, you do this service test. You do like a week of service. The problem is Disney is like hardcore allergy focused. Which is a great right, thing, so. you know, great. Whatever you're allergic to, Disney will cater to you. If you say, I hate this, Disney's like, yes, how can I like kiss your ass and make mm-hmm. this better? So really great in terms of the standards, such a good company to work for. But um, so you go through this huge process for doing their allergy process, serving tables, you're serving, you're doing the shit for a week. And then you do um, this huge written test on all their wines because it's a, like it's, Obviously, it's high-end wine and stuff as well. And then once you pass all that, you do a service test. And if you fail it, you get one more, you do like another training shift, and then you get another attempt at it. And if you fail again, then you go back to being a hostess or you get sent home. So it's your choice. 
so it's like a I've never felt pressure as a server to do well on like your service tests mm -hmm. or to you know because again it's like we're serving food man we're not curing cancer exactly yeah but but with this it was like if you fuck this up you're a hostess for a whole year or you're going back home and you just moved to Florida right so yeah and people failed like it, it happened and it was always really awkward because you're like sorry I can enjoy that. Yeah, enjoy your year as a hostess. Yeah. Well, they could be, you know, cleaning up plain shit. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where do you want to clean shit from? It's hard to say. So what, what's the clientele like there, though? Um, like, same as any fine dining spot? Or, no, it's so weird because it's Disney. Or just a little Not even cuter, fatter, actually. Yeah, a lot okay. of fatter, like Americans. <laughs> a lot of Americans. So the kind of Americans where you see that, like, can't even walk to the restaurant, they have to take electric, like, mm. chairs, you know, because they've just gorged on all that popcorn somewhere else. It sounds terrible, right. but, like, it was pretty gross. But, yeah, so it's everybody, because they get those... You know, you're buying your Disney Pass things, so you're spending like your 10K for the week with the family, and you get the vouchers, and so you get points and stuff depending on what meal plans and stuff you do. So you go to our restaurant, we're like a two-point restaurant, which is obviously a higher point thing. And yeah, I mean, uh, filet mignon was like 56 bucks. Ooh. So it's a pretty decent, like, meal that you came out with and you bring your family for. But the thing is, when people, it's like it's like anything. You know, you go to a casino and you just have chips. You don't realize that you just dropped a thousand dollars because it's just chips. Right. So for them, it's like, oh, you just tap your little Mickey band, so nobody realizes that they just dropped oh, right. a ton of money. Yeah, so, I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's like, they've got it figured out. Yeah, so. they're not dumb. Yeah. The one thing I remember about that place, though, when we went, was we stayed overnight and. They had that weird nightclub situation. It was like Disney for adults or Disney at night or whatever was they called it. Was it Pleasure Island at the time still? Maybe. Okay. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had like a whole, I never went to it, but yeah, they had a whole like it's Pleasure Island weird. type thing. It's Did really you go weird. there? Was yeah. there like a nudist thing? No, it was no. like just a bunch of like nightclubs, but like they had, it was almost like they had one for every type of music that you might like. There was like the... That's kind of nice, yeah, though. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like a fantasy camp for alcoholics. For, yeah, <laughs> I like that. See, that's the Disney that they need to promote a little bit. Yeah. It's like, you know, those parents after... Man, I see those people, like, coming with their kids after a week. I'm like, you need a drink. Like, right. you look tired. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this wasn't a trip sure. at all. Sounds terrible. And then when I see people with small children, I'm like, why would you bring little Johnny, who's two years old, and screaming into the blistering 110-degree heat, and he's not going to remember any of this, but but he is, hates it, and you yeah. hate this. Like, everybody mm -hmm. hates it. I know, that's weird. I always think that, too, when people are bringing, like, ultra-small children on any sort of vacation. Yeah. I guess it's just so they can have a vacation. But. I think so, yeah. Or they just want those pictures. It's like the Instagram thing, you know, the reality oh, versus yeah, the picture. Yeah. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, look how cute they are. And it's like, really, this kid hates this shit. You can't <laughs> keep him in the seat. He throws the ears off. Like, it's, so I feel like it's probably like that. <laughs> so when you were going out in Florida, though, where are you going out? Because that area of the world is pretty interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> so the, again, the cool thing about Disney is like there was, I mean, every night of the week there was some kind of drinking thing. I mean, it was such a culture for staff that was focused around alcoholics. Mm. So Monday nights were happy Mondays, and every country within Epcot had a drinking team. So the Canadian girls would play the Norwegian guys, and mm. then it was just a huge, like, depending on the country, just this disgusting orgy fest of 
like the Norwegians for a good period of time, they, were, they had a problem with chlamydia because like it was just such a thing because everybody's just sleeping with everybody and no. just, you know. So, <laughs> so that was like that was happening one day. So it was it was a huge piss up. And then yeah, so you go, they'd have buses that would take you downtown Orlando. Um, so they'd have clubs down there, but but even in downtown Orlando, there's really cool bars and there's a bar for everything, but. It's one of those places where you walk down one street and it's a bunch of fun bars and then you go a little bit too far to the left and now you're like a homeless crack alley. Mm -hmm. So it's a really weird kind of downtown area. And then it was really interesting because my program had just finished, but my, my dad lives in Florida, so I was still there when Pulse Nightclub got shut up in downtown Orlando. Uh, so it was a gay bar right. that just shit ton of people died and mm -hmm. people that I knew worked at Disney would go, like we'd go to those gay bars. So it was just kind of like, huh. This place is fucked. Americans yeah. are, you know, them and their guns. So. Yeah, that that was a fucked up situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That so, did you? You didn't know anybody who got shot? Uh, not me personally. No. I had friends who who lost people really? in that, but it was just like. How, like again, America, you just you forget that guns are just that's just a thing. I know because I like go to I like going to party in America. They know how to party. Yeah, they, they do. They really Those figure shots. it out. Yeah, shots. yeah. But um, then you go and you come home, and then and then you read about it in the newspaper, and you're just like, oh fuck! If you're mm -hmm. living down there, that's just the that's shit that goes wild. on all the time, and it's just normal. Yeah, and there was um there was a a place called Cowboys, which I love because I'm a country girl, so like. But it was right beside a gay club that I also loved because it was just like a really fun time. And I remember one time going, um, it was called Parliament, and they had this RuPaul's drag show was there. So some of the people from the show were there, and there was like one of the women, I guess, was from Orlando, so she was a headliner there. And, and so it was a really fun night, but I'd never been to a bar like this where it was the gay club was attached to a hotel. And the hotel had the outside part of the hotel was all open and it faced the club. So it's like motel style. So it's got mm. all of these all of these um, rooms that faced down into the pool that faced towards the nightclub. And because this RuPaul's thing was going on, it was kind of a bought out, big sold out deal. And I had no idea, but there was a bunch of different rooms. I don't know how PG I'm allowed to be and the things that I'm telling you. Go right ahead. Okay. But there was, <laughs> there was a bunch of different rooms and there's such a culture around these dudes having sex. And so if the door was open to the room, you could go in and participate. And if the door was closed, but the windows open, you could watch. And then if oh. it was window and door open, you could do whatever you want. And then if it was closed, it was like a private party sort of thing. Hmm. And this, and it was just so fascinating. And I'm like this straight girl just looking up in the room. <laughs> like, this is fucking wild to me. That these dudes are just banging and people are just kind of room hopping. It's a very organized um, system. Very yeah. organized, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they had a dude down there. He was painted totally white, but you could pay him money to paint his body. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna paint you. I'm not paying you anything because I think this is funny. Yeah. But like, then you got other gay dudes that are trying to like paint like crevices they shouldn't be painting in. And I was like, this <laughs> is the best. This place is wild. So wow. yeah, so it's a fun little you know party spot in Orlando. So what made you decide to eventually come back here? I didn't. No. I <laughs> I finished my contract at Disney and then I moved to Thailand. Oh and right. Yeah. So I was living in Thailand. I did another Thai massage course and I was there and then the world shut down. Yeah. So yeah, it was never my preference to come back. I hate winter, so I don't usually yeah. stay here for winter. But yeah. So when the world shut down, I moved back home, hung out here during the pandemic, tried to go back to Thailand, and then Thailand was still shut down. So I was like. Yes, I'm here. Right. Um, and then instead, I, I moved to Costa Rica at the beginning of this year, and I worked at a yoga retreat center and Ooh. hung out and nice. worked and taught and 
lived on the beach, which was great. And then I went to Florida after that. And then eventually I was like, maybe I'll hang out with my family for Christmas and be here. So right. that is why I'm here. Yeah. So yeah. first winter in town and some... Noon yeah. sometime, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not loving it, especially when I came in. It was like a snowstorm. Every time I get hit with like snow, I'm like, what am I doing? Why do I, Why am I in Ontario? Why am I cold? This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. so. I know. I'm sorry. I've gotten that way more as I've gotten older. I used to not mind it so much, but now every winter I hate just fucking a little, just a little bit more. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm an old guy. Yeah. Old yeah. bones, It I is. Guess. They're, yeah. they're creaky and sore. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to Costa Rica. That happens at the age of 31. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's when it starts. It's all downhill after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was super interesting, Siobhan. Thanks for coming and telling yeah. some stories about poop. And, uh... <laughs> Please don't let that be the thing that I remember Oh, that's going to be the like, title yeah. of the episode. Siobhan cleans up shit. Yeah. <laughs> in multiple countries. Yeah. I can't wait for that to happen in the Grand Trunk in about a couple of weeks. Uh, probably yeah. Not. yeah. It's hard to say. A visceral reaction. <laughs> I'm traumatized all over again. No, thanks. That was super fascinating. Yeah. I was lots of awesome stories. We appreciate you coming down here in the cold winter to thanks do for this. Me. Yeah. yeah. And if there's anything you want to promote on social media, what uh, would Ooh. that be? Oh, I, I don't even know what I promote. I mean, again, I work at Grand Trunk, which I feel like I could big ups to my work right now because we have an amazing team and I'm very, very grateful to be with the people I am. So, but that's not my stuff. I mean, my social media, I mean, I'm at Shivsky. I do a lot of like photography writing. Cool. So that's Sweet. all my shit. But, I'll yeah. put links to that in the show notes. Cool. Mm. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for joining the show. Okay.